We, we should pray first. This, this is a study about the Lord's Prayer, but I, I feel a real burden to, to pray. All of us would pray and, and pray for the Lord's illumination on uh, what he's given us in his inspired word. You know, there's one thing about the Bible. You'll never be disappointed taking more time to dig into something because there's always more there. And that's the nature of God's eternal word. And uh, may he be forever praised. Please pray with me. Father, help us to have ears to hear and to truly have eyes to see what you want us to see, Lord. Help us to look at this, this glorious outline you've given us and, and, and use it for all it's worth, Father, all to the praise of your glory. Help me, Lord, not to get sidetracked or, or say anything that's out of order or not critical to this study. Lord, let this all be to the praise of your glory and to the rich edification of this class. And we agree together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Garland, I'm glad you're here. You like to read. Uh, uh, and, and, and you read well. We, we, open up your Bible and, and just get ready to read uh, in Matthew chapter 6. And we're, we're going to be in the Lord's Prayer, uh, which is in verses 9 through 13. But I, I wanted to make some introductory remarks first. Man, are we in a mess in this world. I mean, it's... Uh, we're seeing things on the news, and, and, and it's just getting worse every day. I mean, it, it really is disconcerting. You know, Ron and I talk about this with each other, and it's, uh, it's like, what next? And when, when, when Bob, our senior pastor, told me he wanted me to be in the, in the tag team uh, teaching effort of the people that would be filling in in this class, uh, I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer. I don't know why, but it was kind of on my mind. And it was a, a, about a couple of months before Bob told me, for sure, we're going to have you to teach with Ron and the other Ron and, and Chris. And, uh, and I said, well, are you going to assign me something? Or, or Because I told him, I said, because I've, I've had this study kind of simmering in the back burner about the Lord's Prayer. I just felt like the Lord was revealing something to me, that there was more to this you know, than just what we hear as we recite it so often in church. And he said, you know, he said, it just so happens we had a meeting last night, and that's one of the things that we wanted to be covered in the class. So what a coincidence. I mean, you just love when things just <laughs> accidentally happen like that. And of course, we're far too sophisticated to believe in miracles or <laughs> God's sovereign operation. <laughs> it had to be just some random thing. No, we know that the Lord is in control. So as I've been meditating on this over the last almost six months, and things have been getting worse. I mean, things were bad six months ago when I first started thinking about this, and they've just been continuing to get worse, and this prayer has been in, in the back of my mind, and sometimes in the forefront of my thinking, and I've been referring back to it and saying, you know, th this prayer is really how the Lord keeps his people from losing it, from, from going nuts, from uh, freaking out, we might say. Uh, it, it, it keeps us uh, anchored. It's a theocentric anchor that keeps us grounded to what the Lord says is important. And how much more important can you get than when uh, uh, his disciples wanted to be taught how to pray and Jesus says, this is how you do it. So the amazing thing, I think, is that this 
outline or framework or topical index, however you want to describe it, is good for every culture, every people, in any time of history. That's the amazing thing about the Word of God. It doesn't matter if you're from some tribe in Mozambique or some ancient uh, tribe in India, Pakistan, China, Tibet, anywhere, South America, Patagonia, this Word of God is what you need. And it's because it addresses the heart of man, which is uh, universal. And no matter what time of history we live in, this word is what we need. So I'm glad to be a part of a Bible church. So uh, as you can see on the board is a, a lame illustration of a Bible. I, drew it, I, I was drawing this Thursday after the pastor's Bible study and I drew this and, and Bob says, Oh boy, that's a nice seagull you got there, you know, because it could look like seagulls. And, <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, they're all flying in formation, and uh, apparently the lead one has got a nosebleed. And he says, but this, this is the ribbon in the middle, you know, the little marker for your Bible, and this depicts a typical old Bible. You know how they were, you know, they had a line, and they had your text on one side, text on the other. And our target text is this little green box here, the Lord's Prayer the thing that we're all familiar with. However, I, I drew a little orange outline on the top and the bottom, and that's what I'm going to ask Garland to read now. Starting in verse 5, would you just re read those verses before we get to the actual prayer? When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets. They may be seen, by, uh, seen of men. Verily I say unto you, Shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. That when, is... Yeah, yeah, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions, or as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be ye not, therefore, unlike... Be ye therefore not like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of, before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore pray ye, and then it goes into the okay. prayer. And, it, and my prayer is that I update it from the King James to something more easy to read. Okay. All right. Well, and, and again, the, the nature of God's word, whatever translation it's in, whatever version, you're going you're gonna to still get something out of it. So this little green thing is the Lord's Prayer. We say it all the time, but we know that the context that a passage comes in is very important because it, it kind of makes that, like my old country preacher friend used to say, kind of makes it more what it is. It's, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's the Lord's Prayer, it's classic, it's been used for centuries, but when we read what comes before it, and later we'll look at what comes right after it, it kind of sets it uh, in, in a, uh, on, a, on a platform where you really understand it a little bit more. And, and what Garland just read uh, is, could be kind of disturbing because uh, it's very easy for us to take something as familiar as this and, and say it as a routine, and uh, I don't want to say vain repetition because I can't look into your heart and say, well, you know, you're just mouthing it. You know, you're really not into it. Uh, 
But I can tell you that there's been times I've been saying it and I, and I really wasn't giving it the attention that it deserved. So one of the things that I feel like uh, the Lord brought to my mind as I've been meditating on this for six months now was that uh, just because you're saying this prayer doesn't necessarily mean you're praying this prayer. You can say it, but you're not necessarily praying it. And the more I, I dug into this and, and began, you know, it began to explode almost, you know how, how like fireworks, you know, you can get like a, a Roman candle and it just goes up one time and then you get the two tier and the three tier, you know, the really expensive ones, you know, like over New York Harbor in front of the Statue of Liberty, they first explode and then the second one explodes. I'm finding that this, this prayer as we get into it and, and you meditate on a certain thing, it explodes and then it explodes again. And, uh, you know, you could spend a, a, a sizable amount of time on each one of these precepts, you know, starting with our Father which art in heaven, and we'll look at that, and hallowed be thy name. I, 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 I got something to share with you on that. And, you know, just every one of these things is worth more of our consideration. So, uh, I think it's worth it for us to take the time and, 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 and not just to uh, think that, well, you know, I pray this prayer once or, or twice a week. I pray twice a week. Because you know, I go to the traditional service at 9 o'clock, I pray it there. Then I go to the contemporary service at 11, and I pray it there. And uh, sometimes in the middle of the week, I'll pray it someplace else. And uh, so every time I pray it, especially now that I've been spending a little bit more time in this, I'm thinking to myself, man, there's more to this than just these simple little precepts that we're going through. So I really don't know how... Uh, we miss the simple things that Jesus tells us just before we get into this, especially that line about don't be like the hypocrites, you know, who love to be heard for their uh, speaking and uh, uh, long-winded prayers, ornate, and uh, sometimes they're in, in, in King James language. You know, I used to, I have to confess, I used to uh, kind of make fun of people that would pray it in King James language until I heard my father praying like that. And I loved my dad. He was a godly man. And I realized, hey, my father prays in these and thou's. All of a sudden, it was okay. You know, when, when, when you hear somebody pray and you love that person, all of a sudden, we're not so critical. And, and, and maybe we see something that we didn't see before. So, uh, you can be saying this without praying this. And really, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about our praying, public praying specifically, if the Lord is not impressed with it. Am I right? I mean, I, I mean, uh, you know, someone can say, oh, he's, he's so eloquent, you know, she's so eloquent, they can say this, they can say that, but it really doesn't matter unless the Lord is impressed. I, I heard a story about a, a young uh, piano prodigy who uh, did a recital at Carnegie Hall. And you know, you have to be pretty good if they're gonna let you play a piano at Carnegie Hall. And he did his whole thing, and he ended up getting a standing ovation. And as he's walking off the platform, he happened to notice there was one person that was not standing. And he went backstage, and the people said, go out and take a bow, you know, give him, a, give him an encore. He said, no. He said, well, why not? He says, there's one person not standing. Well, who cares, man? The whole place is standing. The whole place is giving you a standing over. Who cares about one person? He says, that one person is my teacher. He knows what's going on. 
Nobody else knows what's going on. He does. I wouldn't go out. <laughs> I wonder if, if we realize that when we pray, the Lord knows what we're saying. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or how impressed they may or may not be. So it isn't just a, a vain repetition of what we're going through here. Uh, it's, it's really a, a, an intensely personal thing. And the Lord knows our hearts, and he knows how much we're into it or how much we're just going, going through the motions. Uh, Stuart Briscoe, some of you may have heard of, the pastor of a big church in, uh, outside of Milwaukee. My brother's been a part of that church for 30 years, so I, I've been a little bit familiar with Stuart Briscoe's ministry, and he's an author and a speaker, and he hobnobs with all the big, uh, the big uh, skilled preachers around the country. And uh, he was doing a teaching on the Lord's Prayer, and he mentioned the account of Jacob. Remember Jacob? I think it's Matthew, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 28, where Jacob has this encounter, and he sees the, the ladder, and he sees these angels going up and down, and he has this, this, this inspiring moment, uh, this, this, this communion with the Lord. And uh, you know, Briscoe was just, I, I guess this was supposition on his part, but he said, he said what were those angels running up with? It's his prayers, maybe, prayer requests. And uh, what were they coming down with? Uh, possibly answers. So uh, th the fact is that we can contact the Lord wherever we are. And, and Jacob, what he said, he said, man, this is incredible. Surely the Lord is in this place. And uh, one of the things we could learn from that is that wherever we are on this planet, we can make this contact with the Lord and, and, and have a personal, meaningful experience with him based on his loving reaching out to us, and it's really him that reaches out to us. Uh, the more we realize how little we had to do with our relationship with the Lord and how God gets all the glory for everything, the better off we are. I've always loved the uh, illustration of, uh, well, not an illustration, but based on what the Apostle Paul says, that you know, we were dead in trespasses and sins, and you know, there's not much a dead person can do for himself unless there is some supernatural influence from outside, and that's what resurrects us from the dead. So, uh, we have this divinely ordained, uh, you, you can call it a, a, a prayer, but it's more than a prayer. I, I thought about a pattern, but, it, but it's really not a pattern, because a pattern, like if any of you women do uh, uh, sewing, uh, you make dresses, you get a pattern, you put it on top of your material, and you cut your material at the exact same way as the pattern. This prayer is not supposed to be prayed the exact same way, at least not according to John Calvin. I think we could take his word for it. It was never meant to be a liturgy or just something that we repeat uh, in, in a, uh, uh, you, know, you know, just kind of an empty repetition. Not that it's empty all the time. You know, folks, I'm, I'm confessing that uh, I've prayed this prayer and I wasn't really paying attention to what I was praying. I was just going through the motions. One time I was teaching, I, I was preaching a, a team uh, funeral for my uncle. He happened to be my favorite uncle. And uh, this is a church in, in New York City. And we were there by the graveside and the pastor said to me, uh, I want you to lead in the Lord's Prayer. And you know, I was all emotional and everything. I knew what the Lord's Prayer was, but I, I, I choked. I said, I'm not sure that I can remember it. <laughs> and he says, I'll, I'll start it off and you just, so anyway, he started off. And, and I, I eventually, it, it, it kicked in. But, uh, 
you know, some of our church traditions, like the ones I've been a part of, uh, the Lord's Prayer and the repetition of it wasn't a part of it. And Ron was telling me not too long ago, the church that he grew up in uh, wasn't also big on it. But he learned it in public school. <laughs> Boy, those were the days. <laughs> that dates him. <laughs> that lets you know how old he is. Learn the Lord's Prayer in school. <laughs> There's people that can't imagine that that actually took place at one time. Oh, what a great country we were back in the day. So anyway, with all of our consternation and our feeling uptight at, uh, about everything, the way things are happening uh, in our country, it's, it's good for us to be grounded on this little 66-word prayer. And Jesus invites us to pray after this manner. So let's consider the first thing. And, and I, I really don't know how far I'm going to get in... Uh, in, in the outline, in the, re, the remarks that I have, I have them written down because I, I don't have a photographic memory. I, I need some paper to get the fire started and uh, hopefully we'll get, something, we'll get something smoking here after a while. But uh, the more we think about the words and the phrases in this uh, framework, the more our prayer life has the potential to expand. And I would even tell you, you'd, you'd be surprised how long you can take if you will prayerfully consider each one of these things. Starting, for instance, with our Father. What a glorious way Jesus invites us to communicate with the King of the universe, the eternal, the eternally existent I Am. We don't even get that. You know, we, we take things for granted. I've read theologians most of my adult life, and I don't know that any, in fact, the most profound, guys like Calvin and Luther and Zwingli and Wesley and Augustine, Chrysostom, some of these great teachers and preachers, even they didn't get, fully comprehend the eternal nature of Almighty God. So we kind of, you know, make a little mental note, yeah, okay, been there, got that, but we really don't know how awesome our God is, and He really is. And here Jesus invites us to address him as Father. What a glorious, loving thing. And, and, and we are his children. We, we actually belong in his presence. He invites us to be in his presence. But uh, something that I wanted to mention, and, and, and this is more of a pastoral thing from pastoral experience, uh, because I had such a good father I really didn't know what it was like for people who grew up with a not-so-good father. And I met people along the way who uh, had really horrendous experiences with their earthly father. And because of that, just to address our Heavenly Father, it, they, they had their own emotional, psychological, maybe spiritual baggage that came with that that they kind of stumbled over. You know, uh, here, Jesus is inviting us, pray to your Father in heaven. And when people hear Father, the first thing they do, and, and I've actually seen this. I've seen people that have almost a visceral, physical reaction like, oh, Father, you know, uh, my Father was in, nothing like that. But we want to encourage you. Our Heavenly Father is everything like that. He's a Father to the fatherless. And even uh, people who've had a bad experience in their life with their natural Father will find there's nothing wrong with the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Uh, and that's, of course, that's outside of our realm of understanding, because everything we know here is questionable. And, and we're skeptical, and we ought to be skeptical. But with our Heavenly Father, everything is just as it ought to be. The reason I brought this up is uh, 
I had a, an older man in my church who was uh, about 80 years old when I was having this conversation with him. And I forgot what the message was about, but we're standing on the front steps of the church after a Sunday night service. And I was talking to this 80-year-old man, and something come up about some experiences he had with his father when he was five or six years old. And as he talked about it, he began to weep. And it really touched me. I mean, it, it, it got to me too, man. Why is this guy so touched about this? Because of something deep that hurt him. And he still carried it 75 years later. So we don't realize the things that people uh, have to overcome when they're approaching our Father, which art in heaven. But it can be overcome. And uh, I would just say that if you ever come across anyone who's, who's having a problem with their uh, communion, their communication with the Lord, maybe let them talk to you. They may share with you. Well, I had a horrible father. My father wasn't there. Some people lose their fathers early in life and, you know, through no fault of their own. But uh, there's a lot of people that have a lot of feelings that they bring with them to church. And something as simple as the Lord's Prayer and Our Father which art in heaven uh, is, is a little bit more of a stumbling block than uh, what some of us others uh, do not have, you know, because we had, we had a good father. So our challenge is not to let any preconceived uh, notions about our fathers and to enter into our addressing our Father in heaven. Uh, this Father is perfect in every way. He's our Father. By the grace of adoption, we call him our Father. And, 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 and we've all been grafted in, especially those of us that have no Jewish lineage. We're all, uh, thank God for adoption and all the blessings that it uh, offers for us. Where our Father is, is another thing that we don't give much attention to. Heaven is a real place. It's like mission control for the universe. Uh, everything that happens, you remember when the, we'd be listening to the, the, the astronauts and they're talking to Houston, uh, Houston, we have a problem, or you know, mission control, this, that. They're, they have to keep in contact with what's going on down there because they, you know, they're, they're the heartbeat of the whole operation. And uh, it would be good for us to have a, a, a more uh, vivid appreciation for where our Heavenly Father is in heaven. Even though the scripture tells us the heavens of heavens cannot contain him, and uh, who can build a house for God Almighty, but uh, he is in heaven. And it's a, a glorious place that one day we're going to see. It's invisible now. We can't see it. We have no idea unless, you know, you're one of those fortunate ones that had a, a vision, and maybe the Lord uh, showed you a vision of the glories of heaven. And then sometimes the Lord shows him the other side. He showed that to me, and I'll tell you, that scared me straight. <laughs> that was all it took for me. I didn't want to go there. Maybe someday I'll tell you about that. Oh, it's so frightening and horrifying. Can't even, don't even like to talk about it. But our Father is in heaven. We should be more heavenly minded. I mean, if that's where you're going to spend eternity, if that's where your heart and your soul is intent on going, and we're thankful for what the Lord did, for us to allow us to be there, we should be more heavenly minded. <clears throat> Maybe you've heard people that have said over the years, I've been hearing this for 40 years, oh, you're, you're so heavenly minded, you're not gonna do any earthly good. Have you ever heard that? You know who says that? Old 
sour, wet blankets that maybe they're upset because you're so excited about the things of God and you're talking about heaven and they're just, <laughs> they don't want to hear it. They just want to throw a wet blanket. Oh, you're so heavenly minded. You can't do any earthly good. Well, can I present to you the fact that uh, Jesus was heavenly minded and nobody ever did more earthly good than our Jesus. And his mind was on heaven all the time. I mean, that's where he came from. He knew what it was like. And just imagine the downgrade that he took to come and become man and all the things about the incarnation. And I'm telling you, the more I think about these things, the incredible grace and mercy of God sending his son, it's just uh, all the more mind-blowing how good our Heavenly Father is. And isn't that what we want from uh, a Bible study to just be revealed how good he is, how great thou art? Don't you just love him? Don't, don't you want to get more excited about how, how good he is? So he is in heaven. He is our Father. And uh, it would certainly do us good to be more heavenly minded. The Apostle Paul told the Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. You may remember, if ye then be risen with Christ, since ye risen with Christ, set your mind on heavenly things where Christ sits, the right hand of the Father. That's where we ought to. I mean, if you want to be thinking straight, set your mind on heavenly things. Things. And it'll help us to avoid some of the pitfalls and things that come when we're just looking at earthly things. Because remember, everything you see is temporal. The things that we don't see that are eternal. And that's where we really need to be, have, our, have our thinking and our mindset. I'm keeping an eye on the time here. What time are we supposed to stop? Like 10.45? Okay, that's what it says. Well, we'll try and shut it down. Now, this next line here, and, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow my notes, but I'm really not following them as, as closely as I should. So next week, I, I may go back and just do a brief recap of, of what we studied this week and then maybe get on to some other stuff. Or, I don't know, we might get hung up again. We're just going to see how it goes. Uh, and hopefully it'll, it'll turn out all right. Hallowed be thy name. Now, picture yourself praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Now, I'm confessing to you again. I pray this. I don't even stop to think. What does it mean to hallow the name of our Father in heaven? That's, a, that's an unusual phrase. And, and today is Halloween, which is a, a, a mongrelized version of a hallowed evening. And, of course, all of our Hispanic friends around here, they have a big connection with the dead. I mean, if you've ever been to a Hispanic uh, cemetery, uh, Boy, they're into it. They, they love it. We, in our small town of Lytle, where we've lived for 40 years, uh, you, know, you go into the cemetery, and there's the Anglo side, and all the bare tombstones, and then there's the Hispanic side, which looks like a flower shop. I mean, they're just totally colorful. I mean, you know, th they really have an appreciation, and that's something that I've learned to appreciate. They love and appreciate their, their uh, bygone uh, elders, and, and, and I love my parents, but, uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, I was very blessed to have a father who was heavenly minded, who told me as he was getting older, in fact, he told me long before he died, but he said, you know, when I die, don't you be going to the cemetery wasting a lot of time because I'm not there. And you know, I drive past that cemetery 10 times a day and I could hear my father saying, I'm not here. I'm not here. Matter of fact, I love that so much. I told my wife, I want that on my tombstone. I'm not here. <laughs> to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. I'm in the book. I've got Bible to back up. I'm not here. <laughs> yeah, some dust is going to be there, <laughs> but uh, the real me is not there. And that's, that's how we think. This is how Christians think. You know, we're not just preparing to be the best-looking corpse that anyone's ever seen. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's 
from dust thou art to dust thou shalt return. So as we think about hallowing the name of our Father, uh, we don't use that much. And, 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 and as we make our way through this prayer hastily, hallowed be thy name, we say it, but we don't take time to actually do it. And I'm going to suggest that maybe if we would take some time to uh, spend the time that it takes to hallow the name of the Lord, we will get more out of this. We will realize who he is. You know, the Lord's revealed himself to us in a lot of different ways. We hear our senior pastor, he, he seems to like to mention the Yahweh Elehehu, which is, I am the Lord, your God. That's, that's one way that he's uh, revealed himself. I've always liked the way uh, when, when Moses was having a conversation uh, with the bush, and uh, he said, uh, how am I going to, who am I going to tell sent me? And God spoke and said, tell him that I am sent you. Oh, what a eternally existent, you may not think it makes much grammatical sense, but uh, oh, it makes all the theological sense. I am. I, I, I always was. I always will be. We can't get that either. But God is truly awesome. Tell him I am sent you. So yeah, Moses was talking to a bush. You know, you think that's impressive. See, Sean has talked to a bush before. In fact, he's talked to more than one bushes. <laughs> he's, he's talked to bushes before, but <laughs> I don't think any of them ever said I am. I am that I am. You know, when I think about that first pronouncement of God uh, revealing himself as the eternally existent I am, I, I think of the, uh, the New Testament account when they came to get Jesus. You remember when they came with swords and staves? And uh, <clears throat> he said, whom seek ye? And he said, Jesus of Nazareth. Remember what Jesus said? Ego eimi, the Greek, I am. And when he said that, they went backward and fell to the ground. See, there's a New Testament example of of uh, what people inappropriately, inaccurately call being slain in the spirit. <laughs> and by the way, you know, people that were slain in the spirit, <laughs> Ananias and Sapphira, they were really slain in the spirit. <laughs> they didn't get up again. You know, but nowadays we have this, this almost kind of a circus sideshow in churches. And I know what I'm talking about. I'm just not being critical from a distance. I was part of churches where I've been in, in, in circus atmospheres where it was like, oh, come on, you've got to be kidding. You know, this, this doesn't glorify God anyway. You know, people are falling over, and there's someone there to catch them. And I said, you know what? <laughs> if we ever have anything like that, like that happen in our church, we're not going to have any catchers. <laughs> if you're just messing around, you deserve it. And we had one woman one time. She fell backwards and banged her head on a wooden pew. She got up and she was rubbing her head, but nobody was going to catch her in our church. I mean, you know, so, but when they were slain in the spirit, as they were, when Jesus just said, I am, and they went backward. Boy, that's, you know, that's a video that I want to see when I get to heaven. I have this sanctified imagination that when we get to heaven, imagine the IMAX screen God's going to have up there, surround sound. We'll be able to turn back to Genesis and see the, you know, the flood and, and all the glorious things and that's one of those, I'm going to replay that over and over again. I'll replay it and fast forward it, lay him down, stand him back up again. I am! And it just felt like a strike on the bowling alley. Just, I am! I am that I am. And that's certainly who the Lord is. So it's this eternally existent I am that we hallowed his name or we, we uh, respect who he is. Uh, I was going to have you read, but I don't think that we have time to read eight passages. So... Uh, what I'm going to do instead is give you a handout with the eight passages on them, and you can see, uh, however you would like to uh, understand these. Uh, Ron, how do I do this? Do I get some help? Here. 
I'm Binky. I sure miss you, buddy. Well, and, and, it's, and I'm you. It's good to see you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Good to be seen. Yeah, we might have a couple extras. I, I had uh, Heather make up 40 copies by faith, thinking maybe 40 would be here. But whoever's not here, maybe we'll, we'll pick up next week. So you'll see on this handout, we have uh, eight specific scriptures with a compound name. Uh, in Jeremiah 23, we have Yahweh Tzidkenu, which is the Lord, our righteousness. And really, it would be good uh, if we could read these verses, because the power is in the Word of God and the reading of the Word of God. Uh, do we have eight volunteers? Garland, I bet you you're good for two or three, right? Uh, uh, Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Would someone read Leviticus chapter 20? Maybe give you a chance to get those pages unstuck. You've never <laughs> read them before. <laughs> you know how pages stick together when you don't open them. Leviticus is usually unstuck. Leviticus chapter 20. Thank you, Bill. Someone will read Judges chapter 6. Someone going once, going twice. Thank you, brother. Okay, Judges chap chapter 6. Then we have Ezekiel chapter 48. Someone read that, please. Okay. Jay, you got that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, get your Bible and read Ezekiel chapter yes. 48. Then we have Isaiah chapter 53. Boy, that's a good one. Okay, sister. I see you. God bless you. Thank you. I see your hand. Okay. Genesis chapter 20 through, uh, 22, verse 14. Jehovah Jireh. Oh, this is a good one. Someone over here? Someone over here have a Bible? Okay, my lovely daughter. Thank you, April. Okay. Uh, Exodus chapter 17. Yahweh Nisi. Okay, Tom, thank you. And, and one more, the 23rd Psalm, Yahweh Rohe, the Lord is our shepherd. Okay, Garland, number one, read that, that, that first reference, Gen uh, Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. The days are coming to place the Lord when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel Hallelujah. Man, that's good stuff. That's one of his names. It's a compound name. Yahweh Tzidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. All right, Leviticus chapter 20. Bill, you got that? Uh, verses 7 and 8. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and ye be holy, for I am the Lord your God. And you shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctifies you. Amen. Yahweh M. Kadesh. Of course, this, this is Hebrew. I, I wasn't a very good Hebrew student. I, I had to have it. I'm glad they made me take it, but kind of like hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. It sure felt good when it stopped. <laughs> Man, that was, that was painful, <laughs> especially six hours over 10 weeks of summer school. I'd never recommend that. Okay, Judges chapter 6. Who's got Judges chapter 6? Yes. Amen. Amen. Yahweh Shalom, the Lord our peace. Now there's, there's a reason why I'm mentioning all these things, because this gives you something. I mean, if you would take, and by the way, you can't pray with your eyes open. You know, you could say, Lord, I want to hallow your name. You're my righteousness. You're my, you're the one who sanctifies me. You're my peace. I mean, these are ways God revealed himself, and he's telling us to hallow, to set apart, to sanctify his name. This is a way that you can do it. Okay, who's got Ezekiel? Ezekiel 
Jay, are you ready for Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 35? Okay, whoever had Isaiah, can, can we get you to roll with it and go back to e Ezekiel? Go ahead, Jay. Read Isaiah 53, verse 5. Just that one verse. Okay. Verse 5. This is Yahweh Rophe, the Lord who heals. I tell you what, while he's looking for that, does anyone have Ezekiel? Okay, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 48:35. The distance all around will be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord is there. Amen. Yahweh Shem. Okay, you got it, Jay? Yes, I have it. But he is wounded, but he was wounded for his transgressions, crushed upon our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. Okay, that's it. Yahweh Rophe, the Lord our healer. That's a very important one. Okay, Genesis chapter 22, who had verse 14? Genesis 22, 14. Who had that? Okay. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Amen. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You know what that story is about when he went up with Isaac? And, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't mention verse 8, but verse 8, it, it gives me goosebumps when I read that. It says, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. Boy, isn't that prophetic double reference if there ever was. Not only was there a ram coming up the other side of the hill, but it pictures of how Jesus was going to be the sacrifice. That God himself, all the awesome ramifications that go with that. Okay, Exodus chapter 17, verse 15. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Uh, I was only supposed to read one verse, which is good. Yeah. And uh, Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. That's it. You know, uh, we, we usually don't think about uh, the Lord as our banner, that we're flying a flag. But as, as Christians, we do fly the flag of the Lord, our banner, Yahweh Nisi. He, he really is. Uh, our, our Lord. And uh, I was thinking about a modern figure of speech that uh, is apparent everywhere around us. Uh, you know, when, when you see people that are just doing their own thing, we say, well, man, they, they're letting their freak flag fly. Have you ever heard that? And, and, and boy, people are just glad to do that. They let their freak flag fly. And, you know, just not too far from here, up on Main, Main Avenue, uh, there, there's a, a, a homosexual community. And I mean, they got rainbows painted on the crossway. They have gay pride parades. You know, they're proud of who they are. They're letting their flag fly. Well, why shouldn't we as Christians be proud? I mean, Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is our banner. <laughs> we used to sing a chorus in church, joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart, that the king is in residence there. And we like to let people know that. Yeah, the Lord is my banner. Not afraid. I'm going to let my... Yahweh banner fly. Okay, we have one other. Psalm 23. We all know this. Who'll read uh, just the first two verses, Tom? Uh, the Lord is my 
shepherd I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Hallelujah. Amen. And of course, we, we know the rest of that. Yahweh Rohe, the Lord is our shepherd. So anyway, here we have eight self-descriptive compound names of Yahweh with other Hebrew words describing who he is. This just gives us a, a beginning introduction. Uh, next week we'll just mention these other couple of uh, scriptural passages that are mentioned here. I think we're out of time now. Uh, I don't know how we're going to handle questions. Uh, if anybody has questions, I'm glad that Dr. Skates is here because he'll, he'll be able to answer anything that, that anybody throws. I will eloquently try to evade the questions if I don't know and say, well, Dr. Skates, what do you think? So, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're about out of time. And uh, I hope that this is going to be uh, something that's going to grow on us. And... Uh, as we pray, and like I told you, this has been stewing in my heart and my mind for the last five months, and I'm praying it every time I come to church, just like you. But every time I pray it, I, 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 there's something is stirred in my spirit. I'm saying, man, there's more to this. I need to spend more time meditating on my Father, my Father who is in heaven, and hallowing His name. You know, something that we don't give a lot of thought unless we make ourselves think about it. And I think if Jesus told us to think about it and build upon it, I mean, he's the one who gives us this divinely ordained topical index, not just to recite and just pop, up, up, get through it in 10 seconds and go over with it. Okay, been there, done that. <laughs> I feel good. I prayed the Lord's Prayer. I think uh, we could spend more time and have a much more meaningful experience, especially just on this first point here of hallowing his name. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray, Father, as, as we get deeper into this, this divinely ordained framework that you've given us, Lord, that we will spend more time on these points of meditating on our glorious Father and where you are, O oh Lord, and your eternally existent glorious self and how you've revealed yourself to us, Lord. And help us, Father, to take the time to respect and revere your name, to know who you are, and to appreciate all the ways that you've revealed yourself to us, Lord, and all of your sufficiency, your everything that we need, and we give you all the praise and all the glory in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. and amen.